Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Wednesday, May 27th, and we have a report that maybe, just maybe, the NFL could be on track to start on time. Another suggestion that they're handling it slowly but carefully, and I'll get into just exactly what that means. In other news, I'll be talking about Minka Fitzpatrick, who got on, who got on TV and was talking and had some interesting words to say, not just about himself, but about the, about the team and how confident he is in the Steelers' defense moving forward, even though he's just getting there after playing most of last season on the roster. Then finally, it's time to talk about something else that, that popped up on an online list. The Steelers, there is a, there is a list of all AFC teams' most underappreciated player. Who was the Steelers' player? We'll get into that during the during the episode. Let's get into it. All right, everybody. Let's get into this this interesting update here. Now, you guys have heard, but listen to the show uh, again. This is the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and. Uh, you know, I've been doing a, trying to do my best job to not make it all COVID-19 related because we all need break from it, right? I get it. But when there's an update that could impact the start of the season, I do want to include it because I think that's important. Um, and there was one yesterday, and it was good news. Well, presumably good news. We'll see if it actually carries out. But it was a report from Charles Robinson of YahooSports.com or Yahoo.com Sports. Uh, but... Uh, he gave out a report that said that coaching staffs from all NFL teams may be allowed back into their team facilities as early as next week. That would be the first week of June. Now, that means, according to his report, that there's a potential that mini camps will be able to happen across the NFL by the mid-June. And having it happen by mid-June opens up a lot of possibilities. So this segment is just a breakdown of what all this means. I'm not going to go into whether I think it will happen because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. And probably, uh, and this may be me projecting a little bit, but I think most people don't know when they're talking about this. So if someone's speaking with definitive, in definitives when they're taught, when they're speaking about this information, uh, unless they have it from Roger Goodell's mouth himself, I would I'd be wary of trusting someone that says that, that something de- is definitely going to happen. Um, but I will. But but here's here's the breakdown that I'm going to give you. So many. If you don't understand the overall offseason process, here's what usually happens after the draft. There's a little bit of a break period, but there's a rookie camp where rookies selected from a team and also not selected if you're just an undrafted free agent. Um, teams bring in their rookie classes. And they start getting them acclimated to the facilities and the coaches and the playbook. And, and it's it's a process where the teams get their first looks at guys. They get their hands on them. They get to see how good they are. You hear about reports about how, like, Devin Bush last year was doing so well. And they, he was excited to be able to work with the team. And they think he's going to do great. Uh, Ryan Chazier had similar a similar really good rookie camp when he came to the Steelers. Um, that usually happens late April, early May. No, actually, I think it's, more, uh, it's definitely more like a mid-May thing. Uh, but rookie camps usually happen around around that point in time. Then after the rookie camp, there's a little break, and then there's mini camp. And mini camp involves all the players. And this is the chance for the rookies to sort of get to know the teammates, work with them a little bit, run drills. Of course, all of this is just they're wearing shorts and uh, you know what what Tomlin always calls football in shorts. Um, 
And there's there's usually usually some interesting things there. Like the cool thing last year was that Devin Bush was surprising players. Like Vince Williams kept talking about how Devin Bush was calling out plays, and he was in his first ever camp and experience in the NFL, and how impressive that was for anyone um, making that leap. So, um, mini camp usually happens around this time and around late late May to early June, and then you know there's then there's that break in like mid June, and then the teams kind of get like a month to kind of just relax. That's like their official vacation period before training camp. You know, they go see their families, maybe do some traveling, but that's their time. You know, and they can, they still keep their bodies right, uh, but but they're supposed to, that's like their time off. That's also a lot of the football media's time, time off as well. Uh, but um, when I look at, when I, when I look at this situation now, mini camp happening in mid-June, this gives them the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to put you through camp. We're going to give you the instructions. We're going to basically... You know, get you get everyone back up to speed with where we expect you to be at, and then this would probably give them another few weeks after whenever that mini camp would end. I was expected late June, at, at the latest early July, um, and uh, then the players would get some time to kind of go back in their own spaces, make any adjustments they have to make. Because sometimes when you come to camp, uh, or when you come to to to, you, to mini camp, you 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 might not be in as much football shape as you should be. You know, if you guys listened to the Ike Taylor interview I did last week, Ike Taylor said, you know, one of the problems was guys wouldn't stay in shape. They wouldn't work all, all year round. And that's something that he did. Um, I can tell you from experience, uh, Jonathan Dwyer, a former Steelers running back, he went through the same thing. You know, uh, Mike Tomlin once made an example of him at the end of a mini camp, and he said, we will not come into camp looking like this. And they showed he showed a picture of Jonathan Dwyer and him looking, you know, a little overweight and a little fat. Um, and, uh, you know, Dwyer and Dwyer, you know, had a short stint with the Steelers as, as their starting running back. Um, uh, but you know, I look at the, at, at this year and this is the opportunity. This is what Taylor was saying that people need to be training, you know, around full time. Now we've seen people like Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been ridiculously training. He's, he's bulked up a lot. Uh, he, he's been, he's been videotaping and showing it on his social media platforms to show everyone what he's been, what he's been working on. Um, and not everyone has to has to record everything that they that that, that of, of their workouts that's fine but i think it's cool that he does do that to give fans an insight of, of what he is working on and so that people can know for sure and people don't speculate well he spent the whole time partying in the off season um because you know that kind of those kind of presumptions happen all the time um but basically what's going to happen is after this mini camp all those players that maybe didn't work as hard as they should have, because I'm not going to say that they all do, but uh, you know, there's going to be some guys. They're just like, you know what? Hey, you know, they they had a rough, you know, maybe they had a rough off season. Maybe they had some things happen to them that kind of hit their motivation, or they weren't weren't as focused, um, and uh, they're not going to come into the be- into camp the best shape. So now this is that time to say, okay, you you have about another f- like three or four weeks before we start regular training camp, where it's really going to be hitting you. And if you're ready, and, and that gives you all that time to kind of work out in your own space, we we told you what to work on, what to eat, what not to eat, what you know, what things to, how to drill yourself, and how to get ready. You could probably come back to the team facilities whenever you wanted, um, and, uh, and and you know, all that can happen, and uh, that's what teams are going to be taking. So uh, this mini camp, if it does happen in mid June, uh, again, this is a report from Yahoo Sports or Yahoo.com Sports from Char- of Charles Robinson. Um, and uh, if this does happen, this is one a very good sign for the NFL. But again, two, if something goes wrong with this, it's not the end of the world. Why? Because the NFL isn't in the situation where, like, where like in the NHL, uh, the hockey, the hockey league, they're 
they're in the situation where they're trying to set up their 2014 tournament for the playoffs. You know, they're just scrapping the rest of the regular season saying, let's go right here. Um, and there's a lot of pressure there because if that goes south, do they tank their playoffs? Do they postpone that after after canceling the regular season? It's just it's, it's rough. You know, basketball's in a similar predicament. Baseball's not even sure if they're ever going to get started. Uh, but the NFL, they get to experiment here, and, and this might be very good for them if they can get uh, a league-wide mini camps go, going, um, and then they get to at least experiment how to manage COVID-19 situations team by team, and then before anyone has to even interact with other teams, they'll at least have an idea of what to do with their own players, and then when training camp happens, they'll have some routines in place. So it's a very this is very good news, uh, very positive stuff here. Uh, but you know, keep an eye on things as we've seen with this whole situation. COVID nineteen can just change things every single day. You know, hour to hour, even it seems like we get new reports that contradict things that we thought or we expected in other times, but. Right now, I think the good thing is that there is a report out there that says the NFL is eyeing next week to at least open it up to the coaches. And if it opens up to the coaches, that means minicamp can start. And if minicamp can start, that means that they're going to get a chance to kind of get people ready for training camp. And maybe, just maybe, players won't be as rusty coming into the start of the preseason. So, that's, that, that, that's the first message. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the things that have been breaking down um, with Mika Fitzpatrick because he had an interview where he went to talk about the Steelers' defense and his confidence in it. What all did he say? Find out right after this. Hey guys, you ever have that problem where you're just trying to get through your day and you need a snack to get you through, but you don't want to go to the vending machine and get you something that's unhealthy? I've got a great option for you, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar are these protein and energy bars that are covered in 100% chocolate, but they're also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great tasting with 16 different flavors to work your way through. And I know because I've worked my way through quite a few of them already. There are new sponsors here at the pod, at the Locked On Podcast Network, but they've got flavors like double chocolate mousse, banana nut bread, mint brownie delight, raspberry chocolate cream, and so many more. They're, they're great and tasty, they're soft and chewy, and they're great for you. They can also fill you up, make sure that you're satisfied to help you get throughout your day without consuming a whole bunch of calories. For example, my favorite flavor so far, double chocolate mousse, is only 110 calories, packs 15 grams of protein, 7 grams of fiber, and only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of flat fat. And great to, the great thing about all of them, they're gluten-free. So try out Built Bars. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for that $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You'll get a great tasting snack and you'll feel great after eating them. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. This is Chris Carter talking with you guys. So Let's get into uh, some things that Minka Fitzpatrick had to say. Now, of course, everyone knows Minka Fitzpatrick, the first-team All-Pro safety in the NFL in 2019. He was traded for uh, the Steelers, got him from the Miami Dolphins for a first-round pick. Um, he had a very spectacular year, uh, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, had five interceptions, uh, and those were just in his first seven games. Uh, he had a pick six uh, that, that, that flipped around the Colts game. He had a defensive touchdown against the Rams that – flipped around that game um so he, he had a lot to experience right away and this is a this was very interesting to me because you gotta you want to get in in the in the mind of this young man because he's still 
I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick, he came from a, an award-winning program, uh, championship program, I should say, uh, not just award-winning, but at, at Alabama. And Nick Saban praised that guy to the highest of heights. Um, and he talked about how he was a leader, and that was what I saw of him coming into the NFL. And by just being around him, he seemed like he at least knew how to handle talking to the media when he was in the locker room, even after his biggest of games. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, kind of losing it. He wasn't kind of saying crazy things. He was just kind of staying humble about himself and just saying, you know, the things he knew he needed to say, um, which I thought was positive. But this guy's 23 years old. Um, so you want to see where his head's at, right? You want to see, you know, what kind of leader is he? Because you want a leader that, you know, not just says the right things, but is motivated the right ways. And, um, and a guy that's able to make op good observations, adjust to them, and uh, kind of take them year by year. So we'll get to see over the years how good Minka Fitzpatrick can be as he learns from his game. But there were some interesting comments here about about by him about his 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 first year with the Steelers, uh, and he talked about how you know if you guys remember uh, when we did a cross lo uh, locked on Steelers and uh, AFC North crossover episodes. How uh, the Bengals guys were like, oh man, he but his, his numbers fell off. He was a horrible player in the back end of the season. Oh well, you know anyone who watched those games knew that pe teams were targeting him less. And Baker uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, made note of that in this interview on WPXI. Says, "quote Teams started taking shot less shots downfield, taking shots and, and taking less shots wherever I was." Uh, this is over a teleconference uh, on Tuesday. Uh, if I was in the middle of the field, they they didn't want to th throw it in the middle of the field. If I was in a half, they didn't they weren't targeting that area where I was. For those who don't understand what a half is, that's when you're cover playing a cover two where you have two guys playing deep safety and one is covering half of the field, the other is covering the other half of the field. Uh, so if by him saying he's covering half of a half, that means it's just that's his side of the field of deep that they're not targeting. Uh, continuing his quote here, they weren't targeting the area that I was. I don't know if it was a game plan or decision-making by the QB, but I did realize it was different. Uh, so I, I think there's some interesting perspectives here on, on Minka because he, he doesn't just say, oh, yeah, they, was, they were avoiding me. Because that's the obvious thing. We can all – anyone with a football mind and the ability to, to watch tape can see, wow, yeah, they were avoiding Minka Fitzpatrick in, in, in those games. But as a player, he has the wherewithal to not just notice that – but then to also say, you know what, I'm not going to say, he, you notice he says, I don't know if it was a game plan or decision making by the, by the QB, but I just realized it was different. So he's, you know, as a player, you know, you, you, you hear confident guys. They're like, yeah, they're, they're not targeting me on purpose because they know who I am. Ed Reed used to say that a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if it was a game, you know, and he, does, he doesn't, he says, I don't know if it was a game plan or decision making by the QB. He just knows it was happening. I think there's some humility there because he's not trying to say, oh, yeah, I was just, I was just making making these guys change up their whole game plan. He doesn't know. We don't know if it was a in if it was an in-game decision, but we know it's a fact that teams were avoiding him because uh, they weren't targeting him. I think he had like two targets in the last eight games of the season. Um, so I, I thought that was that was very interesting. Um, you know, it was also interesting that he was brought up. This is his, he was the first Steelers Steelers defensive player to score multiple touchdowns in a season since William Gay in 2014, which was a ridiculous year for him. He, I think he had like he had off like four or five returns in a row. Like every time he intercepted the ball, it was a touchdown. Um, that was that was a crazy run. Um, but uh, 
you know, he he also has talked about how the team is is built and how he's he's excited for Ben Roethlisberger to come back. And Minka Fitzpatrick talked about how Ben could, you know, he's he, he he's excited to see him. He says, uh, "quote I expect him to be Ben Roethlisberger. He's a great player and a playmaker. But also, I saw throughout last year just him being around the team. He's a great leader. I like being around him. I like hearing from him. He has a lot of experience and wisdom to share. He's going to keep being himself, even though he was injured. He's going to go out and keep comp- and compete and challenge even myself, even though I'm a defensive player. He's going to go out and make everyone else better, like he's been doing for the past however many seasons." Man, is that some good stuff there for Minka? Just kind of just saying, like, 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 hey, man, I saw this guy around last year. I mean, Minka, he never saw Ben Roethlisberger in pads last year. By the time that Minka came to the team, Roethlisberger was out for the season, so he didn't get to see that kind of Ben Roethlisberger. But him seeing Ben going in and out, remember that if you guys remember, I, I, I won't, I can't remember who exactly led these reports, but there were reports during the middle of the season that, oh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger's not trying to mentor Mason Rudolph, he's not trying to help, he's just kind of sitting back and just letting this season happen. Oh, oh, oh. and you know, these 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 proved to be unfounded because then Mason was like, oh no, he's helping me for sure. Like he's he's helping me understand everything. Um, and uh, and this account from Mika Fitzpatrick is another goes along the lines that like you know he hey, he's pushing defensive players. Um, you know, anyone that knows Ben, I mean, uh, if you were a Steelers fan, uh, the other night, it was like two nights ago, the ESPN, uh, ESPN aired an old 2016 Steelers Monday night football game against the Chargers. And you're going to, and I'm getting to why that this is relevant, but, uh, in doing so, this is a game where Michael Vick started. It was like, it was his last ever NFL start and the Steelers offense was sticking up the joint and, uh, Ben Roethlisberger was on the sideline with every play. You could just see his emotion, just trying because he was hurt and he was he was he didn't have his pads on, but he was in there trying to be as innovative as possible. And he drew up a touchdown pass, the only touchdown pass the Steelers threw that game, in a touchdown pass to Marcus Wheaton. And that's how invested Ben Roethlisberger is, even when he's not on the field. So I thought this was very good of Minka Fitzpatrick to point that out and to kind of sense the idea that like, hey, I can say these positive things, and it's going to be a good look for the team. Uh, but he also went on to talk about um, about how he's confident about the Steelers' defense and talking about how they're returning 10 of their 11 starters, if you consider the one non the one starter being Javon Hargrave. Uh, here's another quote from Minka. There are a lot of other teams that half their roster, half their secondary, or half their linebacker court are gone. We're lucky enough to not have to have to think think about that i think that's definitely an advantage for us and most of us have at least a year under our belt and some guys have more it's definitely an advantage for us so and i agree it definitely it it definitely is um uh, but he continued saying i think last year coming in at the time that i did i didn't know the defense as well as i do now the coaches just wanted to keep it simple for me and they did i appreciate that but now i would say if the coaches want me to move around i'll move around if they don't then i don't then i don't need to i wouldn't say it's a goal if they need me to move around, I'm trying to learn the position and I get to and get it down to a T. So if they ask me, I can move. And we've talked about this a little bit in the show. The potential of Minka Fitzpatrick being a moving target because when you have him deep, there is that advantage you can take away that deep part of the field. But when you force an offense to communicate and say, okay, where is 39? Where is Minka Fitzpatrick? 
you know, why, you know, we, we have to look around for him. Because if he's not in the same spot, it forces them to communicate and it forces them to have to throw other adaptations into their game plan. Because say he lines up, you know, in the slot now, like, oh crap, well, we were going to go attack that part of the field, uh, switch it up, switch it up. And, and now as you switch it up, maybe he moves to another place. And maybe the, where he lines up is a pure disguise of what he's, his actual intentions are. So there's so many positive things that can come from Mika Fitzpatrick moving around. And, you know, it's interesting because now you're saying that, hey, he could do that. Um, and if he does that, that's where uh, that that's where it's going. That, that's where it's going to be able to, um, you know, if, if he does pull that off, that's what's going to force quarterbacks to have to think a lot more. And when you're thinking a lot more as a quarterback, um, you know, even when guys are open, sometimes you overthink things because you're like, oh, where, where is that guy? Where is that guy? And then that's when the ghosts, that's when you start seeing ghosts. That's when you start thinking like, oh, man, I'm, you start thinking too hard. And when quarterbacks think, that gives you the, the couple extra second or two for the pass rush to get home. And when the pass rush is starting to get home more, that's when the mistakes starting to happen. You get sacks, you get fumbles, you get early throws, missed time throws, uh, you know, miss, you know, un, less accurate throws. And when those start to happen, you start to see the turnovers. There's a lot of positives that can come from this kind of stuff. And Nika Fitzpatrick knows it. Uh, another a final, a last quote I'll read here. He says, I think we're one of the best defenses, Nika said. That was reflected with the way we played last season. We were top three, top five in almost every single category. Our talent level, a lot of guys have talent, but I think our execution level beside our talent level is what kind of sets us apart and what will continue to set us apart. This is a very confident guy, and he's confident in his teammates. And why shouldn't they be? They were one of the best defenses in the NFL once Minka got there. And they were extremely young. T.J. Watt, still mid, early to mid-20s. Devin Bush was 21 last season. Minka Fitzpatrick is 23. Bud Dupree, I think he's going to be 26 this year. Stephon Tewitt, I think he's in the same boat being 26 or 27 years old. You got uh, Terrell Edmonds, who's also like 22, 23 years old. There's a lot of young guys on this roster. And the veterans are that are there, Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden, Steve Nelson, um, Vince Williams, and Mike Hilton, all those guys, they're not over the hill. They're in their primes. This is a very good thing for this for the Steelers defense right now. Make if Fitzpatrick knows it, and he's ready to strike while the iron is hot. So, with that, I'm going to cut to one more break. When we come back, I just named who was awarded as the Steelers' most underappreciated player by NFL.com. Who was it? Right after this. All right, we're back here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. Now... As your host, Chris Carter, I'm going. I sometimes go around and I try to find other things um, that are a little bit more loose to talk about, not necessarily news related, but just sort of like, a, hey, here's this perspective that came in. And there was a list um, done on NFL NFL.com um, by Cynthia Freeland, um, and she's there, one of their analytics experts, uh, and uh, she listed all the AFC teams' most underappreciated players. Um, and for the Steelers, that player was none other than Stephon Tuitt. Now, Tuitt is an interesting pick here because, you know, you could say a player that was that played the whole season last year like Mike Hilton. You could have said, you know, a player like Steven Nelson, who I do think Steven Nelson uh, nationally maybe underappreciated. I think Steven Nelson actually gets a lot of praise from Steelers fans when you – like when you look up people talking about him, I have I don't see any Nelson bashing. His lack of of numbers, people seem to generally understand that. Hey, you know what? He's uh he's not being targeted because he's doing his job well. Uh, I, I see a lot of people that's like the that's the smart fan take these days is that they say look at Mika Fitzpatrick. He or not Mika Fitzpatrick. Look at Stephen Nelson. He's doing well. Um, 
But with Stephon Tuitt, I do think that people don't understand just how good this guy was when he was healthy. But of course, that is the problem, right? Is that he hasn't been healthy. Um, you know, but even in the games that he played, he had three and a half sacks, 22 tackles last year. And um, I, I look at Stephon Tuitt and, and just you look at what he was doing to people early in that season. And you just saw him just bulldozing people. You got in the way, he was shoving, he was shoving you down. Um, you, you you tried to block up a lane, he was taking it, he was taking it away. Um, you know, and don't forget, early in the season, Cam Hayward was struggling. And there was a point where Cam Hayward, you could see in the locker room after games, and you went in, even if the Steelers won, he was just kind of like, man, he, like, he was just frustrated because he wasn't getting it done. And uh, and Stephon too was kept telling him was like, hey man, like hang in there, you're gonna get it because he knows Cam Hayward. They've been, you know, Cam was the guy that kind of like brought brought uh, to it in. He was like, hey man, like you know, I, he knows that he's gonna be good. Um, but Hayward's that's the competitor in Hayward. He doesn't he doesn't you know he he's not patient with himself. He wants to push himself to be the best as as early as he can. To it, I think is in a similar similar position here where he's kind of he, he's getting frustrated with himself. With, with the injuries, but he's, he wants to make sure he, he can be healthy. Um, but, I mean, if the Steelers could get 16 games of these two guys together, my goodness, what that would be like. And you know what? Not even 16, just 14 games. And just have them both ready, both throughout most of the regular season, play the biggest game, and playing well, playing together in the playoffs. My goodness, if those two were firing on all cylinders at the same time, who would run on this team? Who would try to? Who would be able to, to maintain a pocket against this team? Because you also got T.J. Watt and Budrick coming off the edge, and Stephon Tuitt, I think is that final piece because Hayward he's still a bully. He's still the guy that's gonna just beat you up on the inside. But Hayward, I think I mean, he's I'd say he's at the he's on the back end of his prime. I won't say that he's out of his prime or he's he's like on the latter of his career, but like of his prime years. I think he's got two or three more left at, at best, right? And I think these have been some great prime years for Cam Hayward. He, I mean, he's he's pushing to put himself in this position to be considered one of the best interior defensive linemen for the Steelers of all time, and in my opinion. And uh, that's uh, some elite company when you consider Joe Green, Casey Hampton, uh, uh, not Dwight White, he was a defensive end, Ernie Holmes. That's what I was gonna go for. But you know, you got you got players all over, all throughout the years. I mean. And we've been talking about them, Aaron Smith, Brett, you know, Brett Kiesel, Kimo von Olhoffen, and you know those aren't legends, but they're but they're good players. And Cam Hayward has vaulted himself, I think, into the top three conversation of, of interior defensive linemen. Ernie Stoutner is another one. Uh, but uh, but point being, Hayward's there, and he's you know he's early thirties, so he's start you know he's still he's still got that punch. But to it, is on a, is, is in a different situation. Don't forget, to it came into the league very young. He's 27 years old. In fact, his day, his birthday was about five days ago. Um, but he's 27. He's 27 years old, and he already has five years of experience under his belt. Um, um, or excuse me, he has six. Wow, I can't count for nothing. Um, but he has six years of NFL experience under his belt, and he's 27 years old. He's about to hit that prime. Also, don't forget that when Cam Hayward. Was doing it. if you look if you look at Cam Hayward's career when he came into the league, um, everyone was excited. 
but he didn't have a, a super hot start. Then he started to figure some things out. Then he was a good defensive lineman. But then eventually we saw him become a great defensive lineman. But that didn't happen until his until around this time uh, in his career that tattoo it's in. Because, uh, you know, in his, so like his first year, when he first became a regular starter, it was 2013, which is his third year in the league. Uh, he had seven pass breakups. Um, he had about, he had about 59 tackles, you know, only, he, he had about five sacks, a good year, a, a solid year. Um, you know, his, but his best year in his first, what was it? Six years in the league. Yeah. In fact, his first six years in the league, he had, his best year was seven sacks in 2015. Um, and he had 54 tackles, uh, a one, and one forced fumble. What happened with his seventh season when he was 28 years old? Played 15 games, batted down three passes, forced two fumbles, recovered one, but he had 12 sacks, and that's when he became a first-team all all-pro defensive uh, defensive defensive lineman. Uh, and actually, I think he was actually second team, but he was Pro Bowl. He's been Pro Bowl for the past three years, and this past year he was a first-team, uh, you know, uh, all all-pro defensive tackle. Um, and in the past three years that we've seen him him in his prime, he had 12 sacks. In 2017, he had eight sacks in 2018, nine sacks in 2019. So totaling that, excuse my math, 29 total sacks in the past three years. That's almost 10 a season. That's what that that's the time period in Stephon Tuitt's career that he that 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 he's entering right now. It took Cam Hayward that long to become the super Cam Hayward that we know right now. So here's just a reminder that you know Stephon Tuitt may be figuring out also. You know, just another par- a weird parallel here. Not saying this is definitely what happens for Stephon Tuitt, but in that last year before Hayward hit that super streak of uh, in 2017, he 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 was hurt and missed most of the season. He played seven games. Tuitt played six games this past year. There's a lot of parallels there, uh, and Tuitt has always been on that cusp. I, I remember that 2016 season when Hayward was out. Tuitt was like a step away from a sack or like a hand placement away from a sack, like for like. Four games in a row, there were like plays that he was like, "Oh, I'm so close! I'm getting there! I'm getting there!" And, and you saw the defense kind of being like, "Man, like we know he's getting there. He just has to. He just has to have faith in himself. He's gonna get it at some point." I think that Tuit is highly underappreciated now because of his injuries. But let him, let him play, let him get a full season under his belt with Cam Hayward. Let those two wrecks shop together. I mean, in those first few games, as good as T.J. Watt was playing, it was looking like Devon Tuit was the defensive MVP of the team. Uh, and maybe just the overall MVP of the team. He was on fire. Um, so be excited for the uh, for the chance for Stephon Tuitt to play a full season next year if he can. Um, his best season so far has been six and a half sacks in 2015. Um, he's been up and down, you know, you know, with with years. He's had some injuries here and there, but uh, he had five and a sack, five five and a half sacks in 2018, three and a half last year, in just six games. So there's no reason to think that barring injuries coming back again, uh, and he's played that this was the first year that he's missed that he's missed uh, more than more than four games in a season. Um, but uh, so so barring any 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 substantial injuries, I think it's reasonable to, ex- to expect him to come back full strength, be ready to play, and for him and Hayward to be a superior one-two punch in the middle of the defense. With that, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys with that. And uh, thanks for listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast. 
Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. You can find me on Twitter by following me at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thanks to all those who do follow me and to help make the Locked On Steelers sports community. It's a really good, good community. If you want to join us on Facebook, we do have a Facebook group for the Locked On Steelers fans. We have over 600 members right now. You can go on Facebook, search Locked On Steelers, and you'll get your you'll you'll be able to join the group as soon as you ask to ask to join that group. I will add you as soon as possible. When you join that group, you'll be united with 600 other rabid Steelers fans that are constantly talking about what's going on with the team. I'm in that group. If you've listened to the show before, other people, other of our guests like Tony Serino, Wesley Euler, guys like that, they're in the group too. You can chat with all of us. Uh, Hunter Homestek as well. Um, we're we you know we're all in there chatting with us and it's a good time to be had by all you can make jokes and uh, talk about things with other Steelers fans and not crazy Ravens fans and Browns fans ah forget those guys um also if you're enjoying the show please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts it really helps get us the word out here if you leave a five star review with a positive comment you will get a shout out on the show thanks to all those who have already done that and have gotten their shout outs out on the show. We're going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be Thursday. It's a crazy, crazy short week, right? Um, but I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday and you're getting through hump day. I'll be, help, I'll be helping you get ready for Friday with our next po- podcast.